Welcome to episode 25 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary, how are you? <laughs> you know, watching the world burn. Yes. For all the right reasons. Yes. It's terrible. I was thinking that I was watching, um, like, so again, of course, we're two weeks late, but um, watching this week all of these protests and then one police department after the other, one day after the next, like every city just getting it wrong. And I wonder like how, how you could get it so wrong when you see every police department do the wrong things the day before, you know? So then there's a protest in your city and you do exactly the same thing that other police departments do and you see it all go wrong and you do it anyway. You do the same thing. Like you understand yeah. that this is not, these are peaceful protests that you are uh, inciting violence because you are too aggressive, you know? As police, as the police. So I don't know. I don't get it. And um, you're kind of just proving the point of like why the people are out there. Right. Yeah, it's been, um, it, it, it's it's just been horrible. Um, I had my kids, we watched the CNN did like a town hall with Sesame Street. Oh, yeah. How was that? So we watched that. It was good. It had, you know, like different people, I guess, recorded questions mm-hmm. um, that they wanted to ask and um, all different kids and a lot of them asking really important questions. And uh, then I had a conversation with my kids. I had my oldest watch another video with me. It's just issues about race that kids and people, I think, just don't hear all the time or realize, like with statistics and economics. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we talked about, because in this video it showed, it said for like every $100 of that a white person has, it's like $5 and something cents. Mm. For a black person. And my son's eyes just like went huge. And he's like, wait, what? He's like, what? You know, I don't understand. And I said, well, let's go back. And we and we even talked about things within our own family. And, and so it was good to have those conversations. I just think it's important for white families to have these conversations with their kids early on and talk about what you can do. And that's what we did. Yeah. Yesterday. Um, my younger one. Um, it was a little harder for him to understand. And he was like, I just want it all to stop, mm. you know? And so we talked about that and, and I think it was good for him to see other kids like his age talking about how they feel about it. So I think it was a, you know, it was a good attempt at trying to have the conversation with younger kids. Good. Yeah. got to start younger. People raise their kids in this way and it's not, it's hard to break out of that when it's, it's, it's all you've known, you know what I mean? As an adult, then you, to look back and like dismantle all the things that you've learned and your biases, it's like, it's not going to happen. You yeah. got to start younger. Oh. All right. Are you ready to share your story? Yay. <gasps> I'm excited. I'm anxious <laughs> to see who you're going to do. Okay. So today I'm going to talk about the caning of Charles Sumner in 1856. Do you oh, know this? No, I know. Right, I, I actually, I, I think I know this story. <laughs> really? Oh, I'm excited. Okay. Um, but refresh me. Okay, I, I, here let we me go. See, let me see. So this event occurred between U.S. Senator Charles Sumner and U.S. House Representative Preston Brooks. So Charles Sumner was an American politician, and U.S. Senator from Massachusetts. He was an academic lawyer and a powerful orator. Um, Sumner was a leader of the anti-slavery forces in the state of Massachusetts and a leader of the radical Republicans in the U.S. Senate during the American Civil War. During Reconstruction, he fought to minimize the power of the ex-Confederates and guarantee equal rights to the freed men and women. 
Preston Brooks was, of course, an American politician, member of the U.S. House of Representatives from South Carolina, serving from 1853 until his resignation in 1856. And then he was reelected in, a month later in August 1856. All these reelections. Yeah. <laughs> so before the attack, before the caning, let's talk a little bit about what, what led up to this. So in 1856, during the what was called the Bleeding Kansas Crisis, Charles, Senator Charles Sumner denounced the Kansas-Nebraska Act in his Crime Against Kansas speech delivered on May 19, 1856. Bleeding Kansas was a series of violent civil confrontations in the United States between 1854 and 61, which emerged from a political and ideological debate over the legality of slavery in the proposed state of Kansas. Mm. The conflict was characterized by years of electoral fraud, raids, assaults, and murders carried out in Kansas and neighboring Missouri, by pro-slavery, what were called border ruffians, and anti-slavery free staters. So all these states were becoming new territories. Right. And there was an argument about should they they be a free state or a slave state, right? Yes. The long speech argued for the immediate admission of Kansas as a free state and went on to denounce the slave power, the political arm of the slave owners. So this is what he said in his speech. Not in any common lust for power did this uncommon tragedy have its origin. It is the rape of a virgin territory compelling it to the hateful embrace of slavery. And it may be clearly traced to a depraved desire for a new slave state, hideous offspring of such a crime in the hope of adding to the power of slavery in the national government, end quote. Sumner then attacked the authors of the act, which was Senator Stephen Douglas of Illinois and Andrew Butler of South Carolina, saying, quote, the senator from South Carolina has had has read many books of chivalry and believes himself a chivalrous chivalrous knight with sentiments of honor and courage. Of course, he has chosen a mistress to whom he has made his vows and who, though ugly to others, is always lovely to him, though polluted in the sight of the world is chaste in his sight. I mean, the harlot slavery. Wow. For her, his tongue is always profuse in words. Let her let her be impeached in character or any proposition made to shut her out from the extension of her wantonness and no extravagance of a, of manner or hardihood of assertion is then too great for this senator. Ooh, can you look ama- at that metaphor. Ooh, girl, I Dang. knew you would love that. I was like, this is Tina. <laughs> Tina would love this. Gonna love oh this. my God, it's so good. <laughs> so in addition, Sumner mocked Butler's speaking ability, which had been messed up uh, from a recent stroke. Oh, that's not too nice. Yeah. So he said, he touches nothing which he does not disfigure with error, sometimes of principle, sometimes of fact. He cannot open his mouth, but out there flies a blunder. Ooh. Not too nice. Hey, well, yeah, you're dealing with not too nice stuff, you know? (laughs) It's the least of what's wrong with this guy. Uh, Sumner had been ridiculed and insulted by both Douglas and Butler for his opposition to the Fugitive Slave Law and the Kansas-Nebraska Act, with Butler crudely race-baiting Sumner by making sexual allusions to black women, like many slaveholders who accused abolitionists of promoting interracial marriage. Mm. Yeah. Uh, sexually charged accusations were also part of the abolitionist lexicon. So according to William James Hoffer's book, The Caning of Charles Sumner, he said, quote, it is also important to note the sexual imagery that recurred throughout the Sumner's or- oration, which was neither accidental nor with precedent. Abolitionists routinely accused slaveholders of maintaining slavery so they could engage in forcible sexual relations with their slaves. Oh, could you imagine and then the slaveholders, the, the ones who wanted to keep slavery, accused abolitionists of they just want to be with 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 um, right. So black they're women. using they're they're yeah. they're both using yes. Uh, 
Representative Preston, uh, so Representative Preston Brooks, who's involved in this caning, he was Butler's cousin, and he was infuriated by what um, Sumner was saying about his cousin. He uh-huh. said that he intended to challenge Sumner to a duel and consulted with fellow South Carolina Representative Lawrence M. Keat on dueling etiquette. I Ke- love this. <laughs> I, know. I mean, <laughs> so funny. Keat to white glove slap yes. in the face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Keat told him that dueling was for gentlemen of equal social standing and that Sumner was no better than a drunkard due to his the supposedly coarse language he used during his speech. Oh, so he can't even like yeah. have a duel with It's not him. worth it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not on his level. Oh, God. Brooks said that he concluded that since Sumner was no no gentleman, he did not merit honorable treatment. To Kiet and Brooks, it was more appropriate to humiliate Sumner by beating him with a cane in a public setting. Oh, goodness. So, here we go. Two days later, on the afternoon of May 22nd, 1856, Brooks entered the Senate chamber with Kiet and another ally, Congressman Henry A. Edmondson. They waited for the galleries to clear, being particularly concerned that there were no ladies present to witness what Brooks was about to do. He confronted Sumner, confronted Sumner as he sat writing at his desk in the almost empty Senate chamber. Oh, goodness. And he said, quote, Mr. Sumner, I have read your speech twice over carefully. It is a libel on South Carolina and Mr. Butler, who is a relative of mine. Brooks calmly announced in a low voice. As Sumner began to stand up, Brooks beat Sumner severely on the head before he could even reach his feet using a thick gutta percha cane with a gold head. And we'll have a picture of it in the notes in the in the um, the blog on our website. The force of the blows so shocked Sumner that he lost his sight immediately. Sumner was knocked down and trapped under the heavy desk, which was bolted to the floor. His chair, which was pulled up to the desk, moved back and forth on a track. Sumner either could not, could not or did not think to slide his chair back to escape, so it pinned him under the desk. Mm. Brooks continued to strike Sumner until Sumner rose to his feet and ripped the desk from the floor in an effort to get away from Brooks. Wow. By this time, Sumner was blinded by his own blood. He staggered up the alley, um, sorry, he staggered up the aisle and arms outstretched, vainly attempted to defend himself. But then he was even, he was, an even larger and easier target for Brooks who continued to beat him across the head, the face and shoulders quote to the full extent of my power. Wow. Brooks didn't stop when his cane snapped. He continued thrashing Sumner with the piece, which, which held the gold head. Sumner stumbled real and reeled convulse convulsively. And he said, Oh Lord. Oh, Oh, (laughs) poor man's getting beaten in the middle of the Senate. It's insane. Near the end of the attack, Sumner collapsed unconscious, Though, although shortly before he succumbed, he bellowed like a calf, according to Brooks. Wow. Brooks grabbed the falling Sumner, held him up by the lapel with one hand, and continued to lash at him wow. with the cane in the other. There's a, there's a lot of anger happening yes. here. Oh, dear. But anger about keeping slaves, Tina, yeah. right? That's the whole thing that they're upset about. Ugh. Several Uh, other senators and representatives attempted to help Sumner, but were blocked by Edmondson, who yelled at the spectators to leave Brooks and Sumner alone, and Keat, who brandished his own cane and a pistol and shouted, let them be and let them alone, goddamn you, let them alone. What? Senator John... This this is outrageous. Senator John Cretanen attempted to intervene and pleaded with Brooks not to kill Sumner. Senator Robert Toombs then interceded for Cretatin and telling Keat not to attack someone who was not a party to the dispute, although Toombs also indicated later that he had no, no issue with Brooks beating Sumner, and in fact, he approved of it. <laughs> I mean, but the thing is, it, you want to go fight somebody, at least be fair. Yeah. You know, the I mean, guy the didn't guy, even see yeah, you he didn't, in your he eyes. He didn't even stand up. No. Um, 
I'm, I'm a little familiar with this. My husband is a big Civil War oh, guy. Okay. And so I know that we've talked about this story before. So he will be very excited because <laughs> he always asks, oh, what, it, what was Hillary's story today? <laughs> oh, but he'll know it. Yeah. So Representatives Ambrose S. Murray and Edwin B. Morgan were finally able to intervene and restrain Brooks, at which point he quietly left the chamber. Murray obtained the aid of a Senate page and the Sergeant of Arms, Dunning McNair. As Sumner regained consciousness, they were, they were able to assist him to walk to a cloakroom. Sumner received medical attention, including several stitches. With the aid of Nathaniel Banks, the Speaker of the House, and Senator Henry Wilson, Sumner was able to travel by carriage to his home where he, was received, where he received further medical treatment. But did they arrest the other guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. I'm like, wait a minute. I know. He just left? (laughs) Brooks also required attention before leaving the Capitol. He had hit himself above his right eye with one of his back swings. (laughs) What a dick. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. He just, like, beat so hard. He just bumped himself. He hit himself in the head. This guy is out of control. What about my stitches? Oh, please. What about my right above my right eye? And he's South Carolina, you said, right? Yes. Oh, God. Hell of a state. Hell of a state. Yeah, please. (laughs) Wait a minute. Is Lindsey Graham now from South Carolina? Isn't he involved in a... Oh, Lindsey Graham's story broke yesterday. Yes. Well... We're still... Little, we're, we're waiting. Yes, yes, yes. We're the waiting. Future muck. <laughs> uh, the cane Brooks used his broken... Um, oh, the cane Brooks used was broken into several pieces, which he left on the blood-soaked floor of the Senate oh chamber. God. Some, including the cane's gold head, were recovered by Edmondson, who gave the portion with the head to Adam John Glossbrenner, the House Sergeant of Arms. This portion of the cane eventually ended up at the old State House Museum in Boston. It was worked to smooth the edges and finish and then put on display. <laughs> you well, can go okay, see guys. this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Road trip. Yeah. Here's, here's a weapon. <laughs> oh, listen my God. This, listen to this. Southern lawmakers made rings out of the other pieces Edmondson recovered <gasps> from the Senate floor, which they wore on neck change to show their solidarity with Brooks, who <gasps> boasted the pieces of my cane are begged for are begged for as sacred relics. Oh my God. Yeah. So all these guys are pledging their allegiance yeah. to horrible you, you horrible know, people. Occur- yeah, but you know what just occurred to me is like Slave owners, they're violent anyway. Like, let's think about how they dehumanize, right, you know, right. slaves and people who are. They, of course, they don't think this is a big deal to just beat somebody. It's not. Right. It's not even considered uncivilized at this point, just because they're elected. Ugh. You know, they're just violent people. Period. This doesn't yeah. mean anything to them. So, okay, the aftermath. The episode revealed the polarization in America, which had now reached the floor of the Senate. Sumner became a martyr in the North, and Brooks a hero in the South. Northerners were outraged. The Cincinnati, Cincinnati Gazette said, quote, the South cannot tolerate free speech anywhere and would stifle it in Washington with the bludgeon and the bower knife, as now they are trying to stifle it in Kansas by massacre, rapine and murder, end quote. Mm. William Cullen Bryant of the New York Even Post asked, quote, has it come to that to this that we must speak with bated breath in the presence of our southern masters? Are we to be chastised as they chastise their slaves? Are we to slaves, slaves for life, a target for their b- brutal br- blows when we do not comport ourselves to please them? End quote. Thousands attended rallies in support of Sumner in Boston, Albany, Cleveland, Detroit, New Haven, New York, and Providence. More than a million copies of Sumner's speech were distributed. Two weeks after the caning, Ralph Waldo Emerson described the divide the incident represented, quote, I do not see how a barbarous community and a civilized community can constitute one state. I think we must get rid of slavery or we must get rid of freedom, end quote. Mm. How do you like that, Tina? I Throw a little it. literary uh, reference for you. One of my transcendentalists. <laughs> um, it, it's th- this whole thing. 
um, you know, the, uh, the, the biggest, 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 biggest mistake <clears throat> post-Civil War was not uh, taking care of uh, the Southern generals. You've, was, we've talked about this before. Know, yeah, you said was, that before. Was, is not, um, they, they should have... You know, they, they should have been arrested for treason or something that the, there are all these statues that get put up. Yeah. You know, like when you think about like Nazi Germany after the war, the people who were Hitler supporters, they couldn't walk around and have a, a statue put up of, mm-hmm. of leaders in the Reich. Like, give me a break. Right. But I mean, we we're still just have now street, take, we still have street yeah, names. We're just now taking down them. And, and this is ridiculous. Down, and they have to it's do ridiculous. it. And they have to do it in the middle of the night. So now with all, all this unrest that's happening, although people have been asking for this to be done for a long for time. For a long, 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 but they long have to, time. they have to take these statues down in the middle of the night. And then people flip out. And it's like, yeah. you know, th- these are states that wanted to secede from the nation. Yeah. Bye. Right? And then you want to be like, oh, I'm America. What are you talking about? Yeah. Whatever. All right. I'm sorry. You're absolutely <laughs> right. But can you imagine this is 1856? Yeah. It's 2020, motherfucker. What's up? We're still arguing the about same, this? The same. You know, that so, was the mistake that the, the, the reconstruction. Yeah. Yeah. What was the story I did that? Was it Garfield? That was who was the kill? Somebody was killed and it was it was about giving. Oh, it, Lincoln was trying yes. to play both sides here and like keep everything. And I get it because yeah. you want to put the nation back to like and I'm please. I am not. Uh, I, I, I can't begin to yeah. even try to understand how you would put a nation back together after civil unrest. I mean, it's. It has to be so incredibly complicated. But the second those statues started going up, it should have been immediately no. Yes. And that's it. Yeah. Conversely, Brooks was praised by Southern newspapers. The Richmond Enquirer editorialized that Sumner should be caned, quote, every morning. Oh. Praising that attack as good in conception, better in execution, and best of all in consequences. Wow. And denounced, quote, these vulgar abolitionists in the Senate who have suffered, who have been who have been suffered to run too long without callers. They must be <gasps> lashed into submission, end quote. Ooh. This is in a newspaper. God, they just want to yoke everybody yeah. and control. Yeah. My God. Southern, Southerners sent, but because they want to have slaves. Ugh. It's like the fucking most bizarre, it's, it's fucked up thing I've ever heard. It's money. Yeah, it's, it's money. money. That's, that's exactly, you're right. That's it. It's all money. Ooh. Southerners sent Brooks hundreds of new canes in endorsement of the <gasps> assault. One was inscribed, quote, hit him again, end quote. What is, what is wrong with people? Brooks also threatened Senator Henry Wilson, Sumner's colleague from Massachusetts. Wilson called the beating by Brooks brutal, murderous, and cowardly. And in response, Brooks challenged Wilson to a duel. Wilson declined, saying that he could not legally or by personal conviction participate and calling dueling, quote, the lingering relic of a barbarous civilization, end quote. Um, in reference to a rumor that Brooks might attack him in the Senate, Wilson told the press, I have sought no controversy and I seek none and I shall go where, go where duty requires uninfluenced by threats of any kind. Wilson continued to perform his Senate duties and Brooks did not make good on his threat. Southerners mocked Sumner claiming he was faking his injuries. They argued that the cane Brooks used was not heavy enough to inflict severe injuries. They also claimed that Brooks had not hit Sumner more than a few times and he had not hit him hard enough to cause very serious concerns. One time is one time too many to put your hand or a cane on a human being. Yeah. 
In fact, Sumner suffered head trauma that caused him chronic debilitating pain for the rest of his life and and symptoms consistent with what now is called traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress disorder. He spent three years recuperating before returning to his Senate seat. Wow. Brooks claimed that he had not intended to kill Sumner or else he would have used a different weapon. <gasps> it's also that ego. Oh. We always talk about the male ego and like, oh. you know, this whole thing of like throwing your dick around. Like that's really yes. what it is too. He's insulted. Brooks was, right. and it wasn't even him. It was his cousin who, who the guy yeah. who um, Sumner was talking about. But he was so insulted by this thing. It's like, I've got to reclaim my family's name. Fuck yeah. you. Like get the fuck out and, of here. And if I wanted to kill him, I would have killed him. Yeah. Give me a break. And they probably saw a lot of their power slipping away with with this everybody coming out again most people being against yeah. slavery except this one part of the country you know <sighs> i know it's just the the it's again the mindset and and i've been thinking about this and i i actually spoke to my cousin about this yesterday i have a, a cousin and we are um similar minded about a lot of stuff and we had a really long wonderful my cousin mark i love you um long conversation <laughs> yesterday and we were talking about how Two people can look at a situation and see completely different things. Mm -hmm. And we were talking specifically about, um, you know, the the recent issue with Floyd and how like now people are trying to disparage his character. Oh, please. And it's like, I don't care what a person did, right? Like it doesn't somehow mean that that what happened to him was right or just and Mm -hmm. and they're it's all about deflecting and my cousin was like you know he said um uh you know that 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 there's like a a thing on your phone that you can listen to and it says a word Mm -hmm. and like someone listens to it and they hear one word and someone else listens to it and they hear another word it's like this uh physiological thing it's like i don't know my husband and i recently happened to have done it and when you play it I'm like, oh, I hear the word blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, it's blah, blah, blah. And there's just something the way the frequency works and your physio- uh, mm. physiology that you're going to hear in a different way. So my cousin was like, I wonder if there's a phys- physiological issue, the way people are wired with empathy or something that when they see something like we react the way we do, but that physiologically, like there's something that causes them to see the same thing where we are outraged that they don't see it in the same way. Right. It just like, cause I can't wrap my brain around how you have anything that, that anyone who is paying attention isn't outraged. Well, the majority of people are right. Like they've done all these polls now and it was in the New York times. I think it was like, it, I think it was 76%. It might be 71% of the country believe that these protests are valid and what the police, what, that he was actually murdered. Like that's right. the, the, the majority of people support the protests and that's not just Democrats. It's not just liberals. Those right. are Republicans too. Like this is, this is outrageous what's going on. Um, the talking when, when they try to disparage his character, like I, like we texted about this yesterday, yeah. but I really feel like in this case, I haven't seen that as much as I had in past police brutality right. where someone was murdered, immediately you get this surge of like, these are all the things this person was doing was, yeah. was wrong, that was wrong and like why the police were talking to him. With George Floyd, none of those things are sticking. Like those things right. aren't real. And it was just a flat out murder. Like that's what it was. And it doesn't matter like what you're saying. It doesn't matter doesn't what matter. somebody had done, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. Human, we cannot dictate who lives and dies. Like that's no. not in the police hands. It's not no. like that. He wasn't doing anything to, to, to. No. Um, he was unarmed. Yeah, he wasn't. It doesn't a, matter. A threat. He wasn't a threat to anybody. And so, listen. 
And even if someone is a threat, be trained to de-escalate. Yeah. I've, 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 I've seen a lot of these back and forth in conversations. I know that you've had them with your family too, but like I've seen a lot of these back and forth conversations and I've found that even with friends I see going back and forth, there's no point to like try to convince somebody yeah. that something was wrong and we should use that energy to do better things. Like right. if instead of like trying to convince somebody that the, the police were wrong and all these things, yeah. right? Yes, lose our, let's use our energy for something else right. because we have to shift the political power. We have to shift the power yeah. of people who make decisions on, on police budgets and how much money they get in militarizing yes. police. Like we have to shift all of that more than anything. Yes. And, and I think the other thing is that like when people hear defund the police, it doesn't mean we're not going to ever have police. It means let's put the money to other resources yeah. to help. Yeah. Well, in other areas. And, and a too, lot of times when you people call 911, often it's a health issue or, you know what I mean? Like that. And there are other services that can help with those particular issues. Right. And so, I mean, it's an important conversation to have. It is. And we talked, we've been talking about the Broward Sheriff for weeks now <sighs> between personal stories on this here, is, or like uh, yeah. muck stories or little muck stories and how both, both reporters we've had on at Little Muck 1 and 2, talk about how powerful that office is. Yes. And the reason that office is so powerful is because they have a hell of a fucking lot. Of, their budget is humongous. Humongous. Humo- millions, $20 million, $30 million, or something. And it's huge. And yes. so when you have that much money. And it, all the stuff, like, because it's it's collective as the whole county, mm-hmm. that sheriff's office. It's I mean, huge. It's it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. And that's why the selection is so important. God. I just want November 4th to be here. Like, I just want the next day so I can see what's going on. It's it's too much agita leading yes. up to this. <laughs> okay. Okay, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <clears throat> That's fine, please. He went off. So, Brooks claimed, okay, that he'd have a different weapon. In a speech to the House defending his actions, Brooks stated that he, quote, he meant no disrespect to the Senate of the United States or the House by his attack on Sumner. Brooks was arrested for the assault. Thank God. He was tried in the District of Columbia court, convicted and fined $300, <gasps> which in today's dollars was like $8,500, but received no prison sentence. <gasps> A motion for Brooks' expulsion from the house failed, but he resigned. No. Yeah, but he resigned on July 15th in order to permer- permit his constituents to ratify or condemn his conduct via a special election. They approved. Brooks was quick, very quickly returned to office after oh, the August 1st no. vote and then reelected to a new term of office later in um, 1856. But he died of croup before the new term began. Sucks Karma. for him. Karma, bitch. Croup is coming to get you. <laughs> um, Kiet was censured by the House. He was the one who was helping him. So he was only censured. He resigned in protest, but his constituents ratified his conduct by overwhelmingly re- reelecting him to the seat within a month. In 1858, which, listen, that's how democracy works, right? We're also asking people to vote. Like, if this is who they choose, like, what the fuck are we going to do? You don't give them a better option. This is what we have. In 1858, he attempted to choke Representative Galusha Grow of Pennsylvania for (laughs) calling him a, quote, I, I don't want to say the I, N, N driver, but it wasn't it wasn't the N word. It's another yeah. N word. I don't know if we're saying that word. I don't know. During an argument on the House floor. So he attempted to, to choke another representative while he, when he went back. An effort to censure Edmondson failed this, to obtain this, this, a majority of votes in the House. In 1856. out of control. <laughs> in the 1856 elections, the new Republican Party made gains by using the twin messages of bleeding Kansas and bleeding Sumner because both events served to paint pro-slavery Democrats as extremists. 
Though the Democrats won the presidential election and increased the majority in the House of Representatives because the Constitution's requirement to count slaves for purposes of apportioning congressional districts and the Electoral College gave Democrats an advantage. Republicans made dramatic gains in elections for the state legislators, legislatures, um, which enabled them to make gains in the U.S. Senate elections because senators were chosen by the state legislatures. The violence in Kansas and the beating of Sumner helped the Republicans unite and cohere as a party, which set the stage for the victory in the 1860 presidential election of Abraham Lincoln. And that is the story of the caning of Charles Sumner. My God. In the U.S. Senate. Can you imagine if something like that happened today? Like just no, but in the I, middle of it where you're watching C-SPAN and then all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> someone's just like, you know, bleeding on the floor. It's, it's wild. It's crazy. Wild. Well, you know. <sighs> all these men. All these men and their, and their small dick energy <laughs> running, the, ruining the world. Are you uh, ready? Girl, let's do Ooh. it. You're so excited about this story. I I'm so, I can't wait. So I'm going to tell you the story. Of White House political advisor to Donald Trump. What bitch? Stephen Miller. Oh my God. It's Miller time. <laughs> it's, wait, say that again. It's Miller time. <laughs> Tina. Oh so my God. I did. Wait I, a minute. Let me just bask in this for a second. I'm so fucking excited. I'm just looking at, I'm just oh like my in, God. in my head. I see his ugly head, his face. Oh my God. I'm so excited. So. I chose just like uh, the guy I did last episode. I wanted to highlight someone who is currently wielding a lot of political power, yeah, but who is just an incredibly dangerous person. Oh yeah, um, and really, he needs to go. He needs to go. So Stephen Miller currently serves as Trump's senior advisor for policy, and he built his career on race baiting and arousing hostility toward immigrants, and. The thing that really confuses me so much about Stephen Miller is that he's Jewish. Mm. And this is the part um, that, that I can't wrap my head around. I mean, he passes as white. Right. Um, and the groups that he's uplifting and the people that he hangs around are, they're, they're not going to, uh, he's ingratiating himself with groups that, that at the end of the day are not ever going to fully accept him. Right. You know what I mean? Well, and, it, and it's like he's being used. Yeah. He's being used. It reminds me of On Curb Your Enthusiasm when somebody called Larry David a self-hating Jew. And he was like, listen, I hate myself, but it has nothing to do with being Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I hate myself. Oh, I love Larry David. But maybe it's part of that, too. You know, I feel this guy is such a complicated He's human so being. complicated. And it really started. It started from his youth. I mean, from like middle school, high school. So we're going to oh look God. back at. I'm so sad. At, I know. He's such a sad sack. <sighs> so hateful, hateful piece of shit. Yeah. And the other thing is he's from an affluent. Yes. But very liberal area of the country. Yes. That's what. But don't you understand? <sighs> like, I, I mean, it's, I know you're going to go into it, I but know. that's what it is. It's a big fuck you to these people who never accepted him. Right. Like, it's right. a big fuck you to like. You know, he had, that was his way to be an outsider and an agitator yes. is to think on a different, on a different it's, side it's than just, everybody else. Yeah. I mean, he definitely is a, he loves to provoke. Yeah. So. Oh, he reminds me, my, my uh, husband, my husband is like that. Just, he'll take the opposite side just to, to fucking just to argue, just to debate. So when damaging emails were leaked, further highlighting Miller's white nationalism, calls for his resignation resounded. And as of yet, you know, nothing has happened. Okay. So there is currently a petition 
calling for his resignation. And I'll get to that further on in the story. Okay. So, um, you know, as I said earlier, this is another problematic politician who shouldn't be in office. He shouldn't hold the high position that he does with the president. And he really should immediately be removed, especially with the email leaks that I'm going to talk about. Okay. Um, and I don't, you know, there's no space in our country for this, you know, at the highest level of yeah. office. And I appreciate this too, because I don't watch, I don't have cable news. And so a lot of the news that I get are like clip, it's like uh, snips of like headlines. I don't remember email leaks. Like I don't even know anything really like it's not even familiar. Oh yeah. Oh, so yay. I'm excited to hear about, to okay. hear about this. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. So our story begins in California. Um, and then he moves sort of throughout the country with the different positions that he holds throughout his career. Um, and he went to college in North Carolina. So I'm going to talk about high school, college, and then his uh, political career. So let's start with high school. So as I noted earlier, he's from an affluent area of California, California, Santa Monica. And according to Lori Winner's LA Magazine article, his family originally held more liberal political views, but that over time, Stephen started pushing them to the right. Mm. So they started out one way and then, you know, through his influence, um, he changed their mind. So <sighs> her article also has statements from people who knew him as a high school student, and they reflect on what they remember about Miller during that time of his life. And most point to his outspokenness. Um, and they also highlight like his combative actions mm. that they remember. And the article um, in LA Magazine is really good because it's just like a list of people's names and like their quotes of like what they remember. And she interviews all these different people. So it's really great. And I'm just going to highlight a few. All right. So Larry Elder, he is a libertarian radio personality, and he said that a Chris Moritz introduced Miller to conservative politics. And Miller also claims that he read an NRA article called Guns, Crimes and Freedoms. And that was something that influenced him to move away from his parents liberal point of view. Elder also noted that at 16, Miller went on his radio show because he was upset that his school didn't require kids to stand for the pledge nor raise the flag. And on that same radio show, he also discussed an incident where he claimed that after 9-11, mm -mm. a teacher at his school had students walk on and disrespect the flag. And that's Miller's, that's the story that he said. And uh, Miller was on that show 70 different times throughout high school. So he had, you know, he, he wrote letters. He was so vocal that this radio show person sort of got wind of him and because of his personality the way that he spoke like you know he's on the as a teenager to, to have a place to kind of spout off you know it probably I don't know I feel like that's another thing that maybe what, like kept him going of course to, but like what are you supposed to be doing in high school you're supposed to be on a political show spouting about the fucking flag <laughs> people walking in the flag <clears throat> don't you have anything to do don't you have friends I know the fuck so Another person, a peer at the time um, named Hartley, noted that the history teacher put the flag on the ground as a history lesson to teach about patriotism and symbolism. And Hartley claims that it would like no one walked on the flag, that the flag was put down and, and he was doing this exercise as a teaching lesson. And he claims that he questioned Miller regarding that incident of the radio show and asked him, like, why didn't you give the whole story? Uh and Miller responded, quote, the truth doesn't matter. It's about what people want to hear. 
Oh my God. He sees he incre- I remember in that very clearly. This is in high school. This is in high school. So he no knew Psycho. even at this, this at this young age, Come right? On. That that ha- that it's all about manipulation and giving the people the story that they want to well, hear. The fact that his parents changed the way they feel politically because their son, some dopey fucking snot nosed kid, is like me. Right. The, how in the hell is that even? What kind of a parents are you? What, what's know. going on here? I know. He's manipulative and he's, that sounds, you know, he should be locked up or something. <laughs> like it doesn't, it's scary. Uh, a demon. Yeah. So another student, um, Andrian Karami noted that the teacher didn't drag the flag on the floor and he did not invite people to step on it. And it said he may have raised it hypothetical. Like what if someone dragged it across the floor or stepped on it? How would you feel type of question? But he didn't have students do that. So again, so there's two different students who say, Hey, I was in that class that's not what happened. But when you have a kid who went on a radio show and said, this is what happened. Right. The people who are listening to that show aren't, aren't going to know that the right. other kids in the class don't have the platform to say, no, that's not right. the truth. Right. Um, a Rachel Greenberg, a former peer, made a high school film uh, at, during high school. She was like a student, you know, um, documentarian, I guess. And she made a high school film about Miller because he was a political outlier in their liberal mm. school. And at the last minute, like, I guess they had to show it to, like, the parent for permission. And he didn't sign off on it. And the mom was like, nope, we're pulling this. So, you know, who knows what else he said on there that she probably did not want to go in the school. So I'm like, oh, please leak that entire thing. Yes. Um, But I do have a clip um, that I'll get into. And I have a picture of it that will go on our Insta of him giving a speech during high school. And it's a really controversial speech that got him, again, attention. Um, another high school peer, Keisha Ram, she actually served as a Vermont House rep from 2009 to 2016, and she's currently running for Vermont Senate seat. She went to school with Miller, and she mentioned Miller's speech about janitors, um, which I'll get to, and that he privately spoke about how certain kids' parents were only fit to be janitors. So even at his school, he was writing, and I'll get into this as well, he was writing a lot of uh, op-ed articles for the school newspaper that were already targeting the Latino students of the school. Oh, my God. So the janitor speech. So he was running for student body president, and he gave a speech where he said essentially, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was essentially, I don't know about you, but I'm sick of being told to pick up trash in the cafeteria. That's what janitors are for. So that was, mm. you know, and people were booing you know, and the kids there. So again, he was, like you said, kind of this loner kid who had friends, you know, he had the bar mitzvah and all of that, but he started just kind of pushing people away. Just, um, there was another girl uh, who said, you know, in middle school, they were deciding like, how are we going to split the pizza up between all of us? And he walked up to the table and just slammed his hand down on it. So like no one could have the pizza. You know, he was that kid. From something a young happened. Age. Something, something happened. I how about I, I don't know. What about if he liked a girl who <laughs> was not white and they reject and that person rejected him? I don't know. Like it could be as simple as something that fucking ridiculous that just, just shifted his whole thing. Yeah, there's just this smugness about him. You know, even when you see him now, like there there he just has this this face of that he's constantly just smug I yeah. I, I don't know. And if my child ever gave a speech like that, oh my God, forget it. I, I, I don't even know what I would do. Um, I'd probably make him work as a janitor. Yeah. 
Um, so, um, but throughout the speech, he's smirking. Like he knows what he's doing, right? He he's, he's deliberately inciting people and he likes that he's doing that. He wants to be outrageous. And this is the thing. Like if you're going to be outrageous for the sake of being outrageous, then I feel like it takes away the authenticity of your outrage. Like, are you really outraged or is this just a show? It's a show. That's what uh, Ann Coulter, Rush Limbaugh, that uh, fucking yeah. wackadoo with the, with the, who said the Alex, Alex Jones. Jones. It's yeah. all a show. It's yeah. a fucking shtick. The whole thing. Do you think those people yeah. really believe all that garbage they say? They don't. It's, it's about money, 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 radio show, books, right. all this stupid bullshit to be as outrageous as possible to get, to stay on the air and get attention. Do you know how many radio yes. shows there are? Are, that nobody is out there looking for these for all these different it's the outrageous people look at Howard Stern it's the same thing yeah. but it's on the other side but it's yeah. like just be outrageous and this guy too he loves that kind of attention yeah and the even, bad attention even during the 2016 campaigns he was like the warm-up act for Trump and oh. he would get out there talking about immigration and the same thing if you look at clips he he he'll say something crazy and then he just kind of smiles as he takes in the crowd reacting it's, well, he found the perfect person to work for him. Oh, my God. God. Did he not fall into the role of a lifetime? So according to a William Cohen's Vanity Fair article, Miller now says that janitor speech was satire and that it wasn't. This is what they always do. Yeah, they, they twist me, it. Yeah, I'm going right. to dismiss everything that I said like it's a joke. Right. So um, throughout high school, he often told Latino students to, quote, speak English. According to Cohen, Miller even penned articles for the school paper where he claimed, quote, despite the large number of Hispanic students that attend our school, very few, if any, of his Latino classmates took honors classes and, quote, lacked basic English skills. Mm. So from the beginning. What's and, with the paper? Putting the stupid shit in a paper. Well, I mean, that's the thing with op-eds, right? Those are um, editorials, their opinions, their feature pieces, and that they're always, it's always with the disclaimer that this is the opinion of the writer and not of the paper. Mm. And so, you know, you you... I guess have to have that line between the freedom of speech, right, and having this op-ed. But he, he, he did write a lot throughout his um, high school and his college oh, career. God. So, um, also according to Cohen's article, a former friend named Jason Islas said that prior to going to high school, like they were friends, um, and he's like, I even went to his bar t uh, bar mitzvah. But that after that, Miller called him and was like, we can't be friends anymore and gave him a laundry list of reasons. But that one of the reasons was his Latin heritage. Oh, shit. So what the again, fuck? Like, and this is <laughs> middle school what going into ass? high school. Yeah, like so I, fucked up. Can you imagine your no, friend calling no. you up and saying, I can't, you know, I can't imagine one of my kids doing this. That's all yeah. I'm thinking about. It's like how old my kids are and like. One of them in a few years saying that saying they're doing something these things, to appear. I would think that there's something wrong with there, them. There's something wrong. So he was upset um, that school uh, provided condoms mm. and said that it promoted promiscuity. And he was equally upset that the school offered a club for gay students, oh. noting, and again, this is like coming from newspaper articles, quote, do they notify parents if their teenagers have chosen an alternative lifestyle? Of course not. So, um, continuing... The 9-11 attacks proved to be another factor that cemented Miller's conservative views. And again, he wrote op-ed articles for the paper pushing his point of view, which again, in the liberal school, made him more and more unpopular. 
So according, again, to Cohen's article, responding to 9-11 and terrorism, he wrote, quote, blaming America for the problems of countries whose citizens would rather spend time sewing blankets to cover women's faces than improving the quality of life is utterly ludicrous. And not to kill terrorists pose a serious, uh, poses a serious threat to the security of the nation. And then another journalist, uh, Ballesteros in Newsweek, wrote that uh, Miller once wrote that despite Islam's message of peace, quote, it cannot change the fact that millions of radical Muslims would celebrate your death for the simple reason that you are Christian, Jewish or American. We've always known this. He's writing this in high school (laughs) newspaper. And again, I get it. Like, I understand the First Amendment and it's an op ed and it's not the views of the paper. And it's a liberal school and allowing conservative students to have a voice. You know, I get it. But um, it, it, I, I, I don't know how you intervene with a child that holds these views, right? Because if it's their political view, and you have to remember, after 9-11, everybody with their car, with the remember, everybody had yes. the, the flags on their yes. car. Like, I mean, it was just this, you know, um, America coming together thing, right? Um, but that's not anti-Muslim right? to be that way. And that's what he is. He's being anti-Muslim. He's, he's, that's he's not, being anti-Muslim. So, yeah. To come together as a country doesn't mean that we, that we want to, you know, whatever the fuck he's saying. Right. But uh, listen, we can't allow people to talk like this. It's outrageous to, to disparage a Latino community, community to disparage Muslims. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't care if it's a fucking And he does op-ed. say, I mean, he does say out. radical Muslims, right? He's not saying. Well, yeah, but to hop, skip and a jump as soon as right. a few, uh, trust me, within a year, it's going to be just Muslims. Right. Well, and he probably meant, I, I'm course, sure that there was course. some editing <laughs> that yeah. happened, I'm assuming. All right, so now we're going to jump into college. So he went to Duke, and Duke Duke has had a problem with racism. Mm. Um, you know, it just, it, it has over the years, and, and I'm going to point to a couple of articles that, um, from actually the Duke Chronicle, their newspaper, where they acknowledge there's a writer that, that wrote about this happening at their college. So I'll get into that. But he was equally vocal about his conservative point of view, and he continued to make this name for himself as a conservative. So he was the president of Students for Academic Freedom, and that was uh, David Horowitz is a conservative, and um, the Southern Poverty Law Center views Horowitz as, quote, the driving force behind anti-Muslim, anti-immigrant, and anti-black movements. Jesus. And so... He has this organization and you can have chapters, right? And so Duke has a chapter and he and Miller was president of... Academic freedom. What the fuck does that even mean? So he was also a member of the Duke Conservative Union. And according to Jane Stansel's Raleigh News Observer article, Miller started the Terrorism Awareness Project to focus on terrorism from Islamic groups, specifically jihad. And the group tried to purchase ads in the college in college newspapers like across the country um, that stated quote what Americans need to know about jihad what? and all the a lot of newspapers were like no we're not who we're fuck? not putting this ad yeah, in and who are you what are and you why are again, you educating Americans right. who asked you who right. made you to do that but because he like went and across uh, you know sent this out and was pushing for yes. this this gives him a national stage again right it brings him um national attention they bring him on news outlets and he starts talking so again it's he he finds his way in the media so he's not stupid like he you know he could be some kid at college spouting off and no one knows about him but he's 
he did this and you know as a teenager he's on a radio show in uh, college now he's getting on news stations to talk about you know this situation of not being able to get his ad for his group and now he's you know putting the group's name out there right so he just he's he's wild to me so uh he also wrote for duke's newspaper the duke chronicle and again, his opinions elicited criticism. So one area that drew national attention was when he spoke out about the Duke lacrosse team rape charge. So oh, this is going I remember back this. to 2006. And I'm going to just kind of give a little reminder. And there are people, um, you know, ultimately this case ended up going nowhere and, and the you know, they said that the story changed too much, et cetera, et cetera. And so like nothing happened. And the, the boys actually ended up suing the call. There was all this stuff that happened as a result. But just to give you a little bit of background, it was um, the Duke lacrosse players hired two exotic dancers to put on a show for the team. And then things escalated um, and the women left. And um, one of the women, a Crystal Mangum, said that she was assaulted, but um, they said it was false evidence and there's still debate. And I didn't research this enough to be able to credibly like comment the validity, validity of either side, but that was the thing that happened. But in the very beginning, people were looking at the boys, like what the hell's going on, mm -hmm. right? And Miller though was like the only person that immediately jumped to the defense of the lacrosse players. And I read one article that was like, Miller wouldn't even know a lacrosse stick if it hit him over the head. Like, but he jumped in because, you know, it's celebrating like these white men kind of thing. And he claimed it was a witch hunt and that liberals used the incident to blame the lacrosse players. And he also accused liberals of trying to politicize it um, because people were saying that this incident, because the, the lacrosse players originally requested two white dancers. Right. And then the dancers that came were not right. white. Right, right, right. And so this other issue of race sort right. of came involved. And so he, that's where he kind of pushed it was like, this is the liberals trying to politicize it. They're trying to um, criticize Duke. Um, uh, about being racist, but there is this underlying racism. Of course, there at is. The campus, Tina. Why in the fuck is their team hiring exotic dancers? What are you doing? Yeah, what well, the fuck is going on? They pulled their money together, and everyone gave like twenty so bucks or something. So fucking gross. It's so gross. It's yeah. so gross. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? That's it's gross. that like frat boy. Yeah. You're gonna and yeah. No uh, offense to fraternities or sororities, oh, please, but I might. No, I, I want to send that. my kids to a college that does not have any of that. I don't blame you. All right. So um, I wanted to get into a couple of accounts um, regarding the racism with Duke. There was an article in 2019 uh, by Don Taylor written for the Duke Chronicle that speaks of nooses, swastikas, racially charged statements, and other attacks on places and people uh, of Duke and notes that Duke needs to reconcile with its white supremacy if the college is to, quote, live in our status as a global university. Dang. In 2019, a professor sent an email out telling Chinese students that they should only speak English. And then later, the professor had to apologize for that. Um, it took until 2018 for Duke to remove the name of a white supremacist, a member of the Klan, from one of its buildings. Damn, motherfucker. So, yes. Oh, my God. So, you know... <laughs> When oh when Miller God. puts this article forward, absolutely people are going to look at the racial undertones 
of that situation. Do you think he picked this school because of that? So, oh, well, so my husband, I'm going to put this on my husband because he's the one that said it. My husband said that Duke University is if Harvard and Liberty University had a baby, it would be Duke. Mm. And Liberty University is like that super evangelical yeah. Christian yeah. university. So he's like, you know, the elite sort of Ivy with this like evangelical conservative and boom, that's wow. You know. And I don't, I don't want to say that's true. Cause I think that there, you know, there are professors and students and wonderful people that go to Duke. And again, that was my husband's statement, but, um, that was his sort of mindset. He's like, that, that's, that's Duke, you know, and they've, had issues over the years and like that 2019 article said like they need to reconcile with that and, and do something as a university Dang. um so he also wrote an article about the gender wage gap and What's, he discounted the yeah, severity of the issue exist. right yeah, of course not no saying that the free market takes care of it uh, right so i've heard and, this. and he did this whole thing like you know if johnny sells more widgets than jane then Johnny gets a promotion. It's only because Johnny sold more widgets, but it's not taking into account the access that Johnny has that may allow him to sell more widgets than Jane or whatever right. it is um, in terms of promotion. And then in terms of women making less per dollar from men, he said that it's fine because then the burden of being the breadwinner win won't fall on a woman's back. And he said that if the wage gap disappeared, women would have to work longer hours and not have time to be with their families or be able to spend time with their babies. He's basically making the <laughs> argument of why Johnny sells more. He oh just made the argument. God. That's what oh it is. Oh my God. He's so God backwards. No. And by the way, no, no woman is saying that they don't want the pressure of being a breadwinner. Let me have it. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. What's the fucking difference? Who cares? Yeah. It's the problem is when the husband doesn't like it. That's the problem. That's, the That's problem. where it, when it starts to become like this stupid male fucking pig I thing. I mean, get over it. Yeah. All right. There's a lot of men who don't feel that way, but the men who do, uh, they can't stand it. Yeah. But who, and what's the difference? You're all sharing in the wealth. Like what's, if yeah. you're in a family together, what's the difference? It's true. According to Stancil's article, he also wrote about liberal Hollywood complaining that, quote, shows like Queer as Folk, The L Word, Will and Grace, and Sex and the City all do their part to promote alternative lifestyles and erode traditional values. Nobody is fucking him. Do you understand? No, Nobody on Sex and the City, nobody on Queer as Folk imagine? would touch him with a 10-foot pole. Uh, no. And he knows it. He looks in the mirror with that receding hairline. He's oh, like, oh, God, my God. That, uh, Who's going to touch my penis? Nobody. Uh, nobody wants it. <laughs> According to a Guardian article, it's all about that, Tina. It, it is. I yes. love. Listen, I love men. Oh God bless. But you're very easy to understand. It's not that complicated. It's really not. And when men are this angry, it's because nobody will even kiss you. I like know. nobody. The will big look at trucks. You. The yeah. big. All these shows. Yeah. So either you take it out with the pen and you write all these angry articles, yeah. or like there's been so many of these killings where these angry white men, yeah, who nobody will go on a date with them, they go around and kill all these they people. Kill people. Yeah. And it's actually in their letters like nobody would date me. Like, yeah. So fucked well, up. maybe be a nicer person. Yeah. According to a Guardian article, Miller also wrote about how family leave caused men to lose jobs because employers lose money from having to pay women for not working. <laughs> Stupid. So please refer to our notes. He has written so much more, um, like being against affirmative action, uh, the lack of Christmas decorations on campus. Like he has <laughs> so many things and, um, and he's Jewish he's and he's for Jewish. Christmas decorations. Yeah. I mean, he's it, just weird. He's yeah. a weirdo. So, um, yeah, just please 
check it out because it's there was so much. I just couldn't put every single thing in here. Um, according to Ballesteros' Newsweek article, Miller becomes buddy-buddy in college with Richard Spencer. Now, for those of you who don't know, Spencer is a neo-Nazi, an anti-Semite, and a conspiracy theorist who pushes the alt-right agenda. And according to Mark DeGuerin's Insider article, Spencer once pushed a, quote, peaceful ethnic cleansing. Uh, he's a really scary guy. Yeah. And the thing that I think he was asked once about Miller, and he was, you know, um, about Miller being Jewish. And he's like, well, you know, a Jew is a Jew kind of thing. Mm. So it's like, Miller, wake up. Right. You, you, Spencer isn't going to protect you. Yeah. Like it's ugh. Um, he tried to invite uh, Horowitz to speak at Duke and it got denied. And that caused him to bemoan and blame liberals and again, get attention because he wanted to have this, you know, again, alt right person come and speak. So um, I'm going to get into his career and I'm going to focus um, more on, on the White House, but he did, he worked for uh, Michelle Bachman, remember her? Yes. In Minnesota, he worked for uh, Representative John uh, Shadegg of Arizona, who I'm not familiar with. And then he worked for our favorite Senator of Alabama, Jeff Sessions. Oh my and God. This is how he makes his way okay. to the White House. That's what we're looking so for. So yeah. he worked for Sessions as a communications director. And People said that he was sort of like Jeff Sessions' shadow. Like he's always like kind of lurking right in the background, you know, and, and you know, just always there. Just he's there's something so creepy about him. <laughs> and according to Todd's Frontline article, he wrote a ton of press releases, releases to uh, reporters regarding immigration that went nowhere. So he, even when he was working for Sessions, it, he's so focused on immigration. Um, Todd further reports that in his early days with Sessions, Bannon explained that they focused on, and this I thought was very interesting. This is, I want to say around 2013 or so. He's working with Sessions and Bannon, we all remember Steve Bannon, mm -hmm. explained that they focused on immigration as a tactic to unify the party and target out-of-work factory workers using the they're taking our jobs approach. And they wanted to see this as a way to, you know, galvanize the party and they were waiting or the next person to run for president that they could fit this with. And then along comes Donald Trump. Wow. Right. And that in the Midwest is what helps um, clinch that area for Trump in 2016. Oh my God. So in 2013, they're having those conversations. Yeah. You know, and we've talked about this before about like strategy and planning and look, I mean, they, they were thinking about where do we need to win? How yeah. can we do it? How are we going to sell this immigration story? And you have Steve Miller, Stephen Miller there who, you know, even though, and he's young. Yes. He's like 35 right now. Yeah. Right. So as a, I mean, in this rising star on their side who has been pushing immigration since high school. Wow. You know, so it's, it, it's like all the stars aligned for this guy. It's, yeah. It's crazy. So in the White House, as we've seen, Miller has that anti-immigration stance since his youth and it's influenced the White House in severe ways, right? Mm. Um, according to Zoe Todd's Frontline article, Miller instituted the, the travel ban, the Muslim ban, currently pushing that COVID as a reason to halt immigration in the U.S., the separation of families at the border, ending DACA for DREAMers. And the thing with, with, with uh, the issue with COVID, um, that horrible, horrible thing where it's like the, the Sophie's Choice option, right? It's like you can keep your child with you, in an overcrowded area at the risk of COVID, or we can take your kid. 
Oh my God, Tina, please. It, it's it, This guy's a nightmare. He's a nightmare. Cheat here of the nation describes Miller this way. Quote, Miller is a white bread fanatic, a mass produced jerk whose cruelty is all American, shared by mm. millions of others formed by the right wing media loudmouths that are the ideological voice of the Republican Party. It's scary. I mean, and it's such a great description. You got to get him out. Because, you uh, know, when you cut the, the snake off at the head, you know, you right. get rid of all these little fuckers, too. Right. Because really, <sighs> the point is, the reason why they had that plan and they had just needed the right candidate Trump can be fit into any one of those boxes. Yeah. He, he'll go liberal. He'll go over here. He'll go. He'll go anywhere he can to get power and fit. He's he's right. an empty head. He's an empty Ugh. suit. And so they found the perfect person. But once Trump is gone, who's who's going to take up Stephen Miller then? I don't know. Come on, there's uh. nobody that would would not no not not somebody who's a real um someone who really wants to be elected. I, I, I just can't see it. I hope. I hope not. So he began as Trump's speech writer. So again, like he's getting all these jobs as writers because, right. you know, he's good at it. And he again focused on immigration well, as a not, way to rile up the crowds. They're not particularly good speeches. They're, they're hateful and everything, but they're not right. like, well, they're not, for whatever a pol- political speech is supposed to be, they're not that. They're right. just, it's just hateful bullshit. Right. That, well, but know. he knows the rhetoric. Like right. he knows yes, 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 the yes. words to say. Yes. And so what I found interesting is that many articles talk about, this defiant attitude maintained by Miller. And I almost expected, I don't know why, like when I first started researching, I thought he was going to be like this rage mar- monster behind the scenes, you know, almost like, um, almost like Wiener, you know, like just yeah, like yeah, slamming yeah. And, and banging around. And he's not like, everyone just says that he's very calm. Yeah. And he has this sort of consistent smug defiance yeah. always, which it's, is scarier, scary. Yeah. Yes. Like, cause he's very collected. It's, it's, an, a, it's a silent it, anger. It, it just, it makes me so, I don't know. It's like the feeling on the back of my neck, but he, that means he can keep that. That means he can maintain that anger all the time. You know, sometimes when you're just like, uh, you're behaving normally and then all of a sudden you freak out and you start screaming, that's normal that's anger. Normal. Like all of a sudden right. it's just like a, a fight. This is a consistent, normal anger he has all yeah. the time. Yeah, the, but this bubbling, it's right below the surface of r- this rage. Ugh. The other thing that I found really interesting is that his supporters and his detractors both agree that, you know, the people, the detractors are like, you know, I don't like anything that Miller says. But like what I saw over and over again is they agree that he stands for what he believes and he speaks out when others don't. Like a lot of people just said, like, he's always speaking out. He's always saying and I'm like, I don't care. Like, to me, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I think he doesn't deserve that at all if what he's spewing is is, is crap. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But, but I, I was surprised that even the people who are against him were like, well, you know, this guy, like, he just, he, he you know, he plows forward. So the incident. So in 2019, emails between Miller and Breitbart News mm. from 2015 and 2016 were leaked. And allegedly, the emails highlight Miller's white nationalist leaning. And who leaked the emails? The Southern Poverty Law Center's Hate Watch. And this is a blog that exposes alt-right behavior in folks. And I put the link to that blog. And again, you need to go in and and I'm kind of highlighting and summarizing the emails like topic-wise. But when you go into that blog, it's like direct quotes from all of the email exchanges regarding the topic that I'm going to say. So you can go in and look at like everything he's actually saying. So the opening of the article had this to say, quote, that source material as laid out in his emails to Breitbart 
includes white nationalist websites, a white genocide-themed novel in which Indian men rape white women, xenophobic conspiracy theories, and a eugenics-era immigration law that Adolf Hitler lauded in Mein Kampf. Holy shit! Tina! Yeah. Like, he needs to go. He needs to go. So what I found interesting is that, according to the Post, Miller does not like to put things in writing. Well, I mean, look at this. <laughs> and he has tried to keep exchanges like on the DL, like that's his thing. Yeah, and he'd rather dumb. like pick up the phone. Yes. But the Southern Poverty Le- uh, Law Center gathered over 900 emails. Holy cow. And these were leaked. And some of them are just like one-liners, you know, so it's, but it's, you know, a conversation that's happening in an email. So then it's, right. that's how Back it's and piled. Forth. Yes. Yeah. So they were leaked from a former Breitbart editor and she used to share a similar perspective Obviously, right? She's working for Breitbart. And she has since sort of disavowed the alt-right. And she's like moved. And she, boom, was like, here's all these emails. So um, the allegations. So like, so this is, again, some of the um, email exchanges. So he supposedly shared a link to VDARE, which is a white nationalist website that posts about white genocide. Um, he supposedly suggested that a hurricane would drive immigrants from Central America to the U.S. and be given TPS. So there was like a hurricane that was happening and okay. he's like, oh my God, all the immigrants are coming. They're going to be given TPS. What are we going to do? TPS, for those of you that don't know, is the temporary protected status. Yeah. He recommended a write-up on a French white nationalist text, The Camp of Saints. Again, it's about white genocide and the book has graphic, violent depictions of non-whites. Um, again, as I m- mentioned in that quote, um, including the rape of a white woman. And then this idea of white women being assaulted by the other has been perpetuated in yes. the U.S. with films like Birth of a Nation. Like, yeah. Uh, he had an exchange noting his upset with Confederate flags being removed from uh, after, do you remember uh, Dylan Roof? Yes. Did the murder spree in the black church, and then people were like, we got to take these things down. He was upset about that. He also helped with articles for American Renaissance, which is an online publication that advocates for whites. What is going on with this guy? Oh my god, it's so incredibly stupid. Like a website that advocates for whites. Like, are you kidding? Like, what? but you know what he kind of reminds me of is like the guys, like the Americans that go and fight for um, with um, Al Qaeda or something. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Where are you going? I, I don't know. But he's not welcome there. He doesn't even that's, understand that's the it. Thing. That's he doesn't the get thing. that he's he's confused about who he is. I I don't know. It's, it's, he's, it's, it's a conundrum to me. He showed oh, his support God. for Coolridge, uh, Coolidge's, sorry. He showed his support for Coolidge's immigration plan, which was restrictive. And uh, Coolidge had this idea that races, uh, sh- uh, should not blend. And Hitler used that as a model when he wrote about race in Mein Kampf. So there's that. And again, you have to go to the, 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 um, hate watch blog and like really look at the exchange so the reaction the white house press secretary stephanie grissom according to deguerin's article brushed off the reports saying that the southern poverty law center is an alt-left debunked news site Mm. right so fancy talk for fake news yeah and that's it that's it that's all they need to say and they don't have to answer for anything and so the fallout right now is the Dems pushing for his resignation. So as I said um, earlier, there's this petition and AOC (laughs) and, uh, and Omar, 
They started a petition calling for his resignation. Julian Castro called Miller a Nazi. Sanders um, said he is a danger to Americans. Civil rights groups, uh, and and, uh, I have the link as well, and it's just like so long. All of these civil rights groups penned and signed a letter to Trump in November 2019 demanding Miller's resignation. Some DHS officials were appalled but feel that Miller will face little to no consequences and additionally, 25 Jewish lawmakers demand Miller's resignation. And there's a petition, and I have the link to it, so you can go to the petition to sign it demanding his resignation. So that happened November, and then it's like all of a sudden COVID happened. And mm, so, okay. right, and it, this needs to be sort of yeah. brought back up somehow to, uh, he's got to go. So a few points of interest, um, one thing... Um, I found interesting is his constant need to provoke. For example, he would approach women. So, you know, he provoked in news articles, but also like just in the day to day. So he would approach women on campus who knew like that he knew hated him. And he would be like, hey, we'd make beautiful babies together. Like things like that. Like just because he knew they didn't like him. So he would, you know, make these outrageous statements. So it wasn't just you know, penning these articles, like even like in his everyday sort of exchanges with people. I I don't know. I have to say, I wonder, Tina, what would have happened that in in high school when he he wanted to write? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. That's one. Two, cut him off at the fucking knees when he's starting to pull this bullshit in high school. The reason he doesn't stop and keeps going into college is because no one ever said, we're not publishing this. This is fucking insanity. You have to stop this shit in the I beginning. Know, but, it's but, not but acceptable. It's, but there's freedom of speech. Well, good. Go make a blog and fucking yeah. go right. Go right, right to the nether. To the nether. Like no one's there listening. Right. You can't promote and allow no, no. him to get what he wants to stand in front of the school and talk about janitors in that way. It's like what in yeah. the what about the janitors that we have no? Uh, you know what I mean? Like what are we talking about here? I know the guy. Again, he's a, a menace to society. Yeah, he is. He needs to go. He needs to to lose his job. Yeah. So he once jumped uh, into a girls track and field competition. This was like in high school. I believe it was high school. I don't think it was college. But he once jumped into. So he was at some event and there happened to be a track and field event going on. Mm-hmm. And he jumped into the competition and like ran faster to show that men will always be the superior athlete. Oh, my God. I hate him <laughs> so much. Please. It's. It's wild. So in 2018, you might like this. You might need to go to this site. Um, a Gabby Delvell wrote an article for the outline titled, Does Steve Miller Have Any Friends? An Investigation. <laughs> yeah, good. Good investigation. And there's a playlist with songs about friendship. It's like, you've got a friend in me. It's so funny. And um, and this is obviously prior to his marriage in February of this year, 2020, with Katie Miller, uh, Pence's press secretary, and soon to be mother of his child. Oh, no. Please help oh, that baby. No. Someone help that baby. Oh, my God. Um, no. I know. But she went through uh, his socials at the time and hundreds of photos to see if there were any friendships. And she couldn't drum up much. She's just like, I went everywhere. I dug in. And like, she couldn't find just like a standard, like I'm hanging out with my friends kind of thing. And uh, she notes a quote from the New York Times from Miller introducing himself in college with, my name is Stephen Miller. I'm from Los Angeles and I like guns. Oh my God, (laughs) hot. So I mean, it's so funny, but the idea here is just interesting. Um, 
Some other kids from high school use the term sociopath and his lack of yes. emotion yes. and his need to provoke. Yes. And how he has very little close friendships, no yes. romantic relationships. So yes. it's it's so sociopath, it's not even funny. Yeah. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm not um you know, that that's not my trade. Um, so I can't but I analyze, like, but there is something. Yes, because Tina, even the sociopath there. has to study people's re- other humans' reactions to things because they right. don't know how to feel. Yeah. So to see that he can say something and people react, it's standing back and looking and like yeah. looking look at, at it because he doesn't uh, understand it. Or look what I can do and yeah. power. Uh, a, a little fun fact is, uh, I don't know if you remember his wife got the coronavirus. I don't know anything about this. Uh, okay, so there was um, earlier this year... Because uh, everyone was like, oh, my God, it's in the White House because uh, it's Pence's press secretary. Right. So and that's his now wife. So she got the coronavirus and the Trump team was outraged because a Jezebel article stated that they hope Miller got the virus and died. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this guy has said so much. Yeah. Right. He's been so hateful. And like, this is the thing like that you're going to be outraged that someone's yeah. like, God, I hope Miller gets it. It did cross my Give mind. Me, I know, it I mean, did cross my mind. <laughs> And she was pregnant when she got it. She so after they when she returned to work, she announced then that she was pregnant. Mm. So I don't know, you know, the time frame, but it's just. I mean, he's working for a president who said he could shoot someone dead on Fifth Avenue and still get elected. Yeah, right. But then they're going to be outraged because someone's like, "I hope Miller gets Corona." Yeah, please. Oh, my God. So according to Daniel J. Solomon of Forward, close to 3,500 classmates of the Duke graduating class, of Miller's graduating class uh, from Duke, signed a letter in 2017 stating that Miller did not reflect the values of Duke. But another student, a shady uh, Malakalu, wrote a counter letter saying that she did not see Duke in the same way. And pointed to all the incredibly racist and bigoted statements by Miller, right? So acknowledging like they don't yes. like, but she asked the students to essentially check their white privilege and recognize the culture of the school. And she calls on the school administrators asking if they've considered their role in allowing Miller, like you said, to be Miller, which gave him this rise to power and influence yes. on the national scale. And again, when you put it all together, right? He's so incredibly inflammatory. Yeah. Where does the line between, you know, freedom of speech and hate speech and inciting it's come on. It's listen, <sighs> the reason why we're here and this, all of this is allowed is because we've allowed this unchecked allowed shit to happen yeah. for, with a lot of people for, for a, a long, long time. time, you know, when you, and then when people and, put their money where their mouth is and sue people like Alex Jones and he gets yeah. fucking, and he gets found guilty and all this yes. shit, you know, saying that, um, the shooting in, in oh Connecticut didn't happen oh and God. that was all fake. These people those, lost their children, parents, you know? Oh my God. And so you have to sue the fuck out of them. And so somebody needs to do that to him. And the other thing is the airtime. And people have talked about this with Trump and, and, and all news outlets have been guilty. They air they continually put the footage yes where if they just said you know we're not going to air this jerk they're complicit in all of it you know they were complicit in in that 2016 election and afterwards we're like oh we can't believe it you can't believe it you played his rally 24 hours a day every time he was at a rally you were playing it it's it's and they're doing it again by the way they do it again there's this he had a a rally a month after he was elected it's they continue to play his rallies all the time stop they need to stop. stop. 
All right. So uh, a favorite point of interest is that in 2018, his uncle, David Glosser, pens an article for political calling out Miller as an immigration hypocrite. Mm. And he explains that his family's chain migration story and, and says yes. what that was and how most members of the family are liberal. He also points out how Miller's current policies would not ha- have allowed his own family to come to the U.S. And he writes, quote, I would encourage Stephen to ask himself if the chanting torch-bearing Nazis of Charlottesville who support his boss seems to court so cavalierly do not envision a similar fate for him. Yes. Come on. Let's be honest, uh, Mr. Miller. When all those whites, let's say the white the white nationalists get their way and they wipe out every single race except white. Right. He's you don't not going to be next, standing. You may be the last please. on the list, but you're on the list, oh, motherfucker. You're please. on the list. And also... He might be first on a list. Like, you know... um, was it the brown shirts? Yes, I in think Germany, it, right? Yes, like, yes, they might go after him first. Yes. and wipe everyone out. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. Also, Kushner. Like this is yes. the same fucking. Yes, thing. it's the same thing as Kushner family. Oh. So, um, an, another fun fact with this uncle. So when he got married, um, Miller got married in 2020 in February for a wedding gift. Um, he was like. Yeah, obviously not invited to the wedding, yeah. <laughs> um, but he donated money to a refuge, a refugee rights charity as Amen. a wedding gift nice. to, to nice. the new, the newlyweds. And my final thing that I thought was so hilarious. And I have a picture from uh, Seth Meyers show. Um, a lot of late night hosts have compared Miller to, uh, you know, various things, including Gargamel, <laughs> Montgomery Burns from The Simpsons and Smeagol from Lord of the Rings. Oh my God. So I have a side by side of it's uh, Miller and uh, Mr. Burns. Let me tell you, it's, that's so funny. It's so right too. Yes. So, um, I love you Mr. Know, Burns. This, this, this guy, you know, he, he started out with this mission of provoking the left and it snowballed. The perfect storm. It, it, yeah. It's just, uh, so that's the story of insider, demagogue, and self-proclaimed, quote, conservative social justice warrior, Stephen Miller. He needs to go. So everyone, please, um, when you go to our, our blog, the link is um, on our social bios. Sign the petition. Sign the petition. Put it on your social media. Like, let's bring this back out into... But what's it going to do? What's a petition going to do? I don't know, but at least sign it. Maybe it'll keep pushing people to... It makes people feel like they've done something. There's nothing that's going to happen here unless this yeah. guy actually... We got to get Trump out to get this guy out. Yeah. He needs to resign. I think if enough people are outraged... No. No, people are Tina, aren't. you don't uh, understand. We're not dealing with a normal administration. They laugh. They'll, they'll take that petition and wipe their... Shitty asses with it. Like this not this is not normal. They don't care what we think. They don't care. The woman said it was an alt left uh, Southern Poverty Law Society. Alt left. I mean, they they don't give a shit about anything. Don't you you get it? We're fucked. We have to get him out. That's the only way. Please vote. Yeah. Yes. It's not. It's not even funny. Where would Stephen Miller go? If Trump is gone. So I was just thinking about He's Matt, gonna, Matt, gonna run Ga- for Matt Gates. Maybe Matt Gates. Isn't that the guy yeah. from Florida who's a U.S. Ugh. rep? Like there's lots of places he could probably find work. I bet. Um, do you think he'd run for something? He could run for something. I don't know if he'd win. I don't. I don't think he'd win. It really, he'd have to find the perfect seat. Yeah. I mean, it's not like these guys can't. Look, Steve King just got finally oh that guy from uh, Indiana. Oh, finally. I, I really, Mitch McConnell, like, please yes. let him get voted out. Please, please, yes. please, please, please. There's a great lady uh, running against him. Oh, my God. She's Kansas, incredible. Or Kentucky. Yeah. 
Oh my God, military Amy, service. Amy McGrath. Yes. Yeah. Come on. Oh, it's so exciting. Yeah. Please, yeah, donate money to her campaign. Yeah, we got to get these people out. Yeah. All right, well, that's it. Hey. Oh, I want to mention the show that I've been watching because I watched it a little bit this morning before we recorded. It's called Rust Valley Restorers. And oh. it's um uh, these, this company called Rust Brothers in... um. In Canada, and they restore old cars. Oh my God, it's like my favorite thing ever. I'm such a like, I didn't realize somewhere in my past life I must have been like a gearhead or something <laughs> because I love like car shows with the old cars. Like oh. every time there's one, I'm like, pull over, right? <laughs> but uh, I love watching the show. The, the guys are really funny, and the show is so good. I'm loving it so much. So check it out. It's on Netflix. I think there's only like two oh. seasons, but it's really good. I just finished one of my favorite shows, and then it's like waiting for the next season. Which and one? Uh, Dear White People. Oh, yeah. I love that show so much. I watched the first season. I got to start. I got to do the uh, second season. I love it. I mean, it's got, of course, um, it's finger on the pulse of all of the, mm -hmm. the racial issues. But the it, there, it, there's a campy feel to it. I love all the, I mean, it <laughs> the highlights. Actors are good. The actors are amazing. And um, highlights LGBT. Yes. And um, and and there's like the, the conspiracy theory angle that's been going and the secret society. It's just I, I enjoy it so much. It's it's a really, really, really good show. Awesome. Yeah. I got to watch it. Yeah, you got because now I just finished season three. So, yeah, you got to. Yeah, I'm behind. Yes. All right. I'll get on it. OK. All right. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Dockerty. Coming up next week on the Muck Podcast. So remember he had that white declaration of independence. He oh. busts that out. Oh. And he's like, here we are. And we, the undersigned citizens, do hereby declare that we will no longer be ruled and will never again be ruled by men of African origin. Holy shit. Critics argue the rule could further harm an already vulnerable group, transgender yes. people, in the midst of a fucking pandemic. Of course. <laughs> <laughs>